Welcome, neighbors, to Hometown Earth, the podcast that brings a down-to-earth approach to all of your sustainability questions. I'm your host, Lena Sanford, here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Here, we believe that everyone can change the world. Do you believe? I'm a Midwest gal with big dreams to discover what it takes to reduce my impact on this beautiful place we call Hometown Earth. Join me every Tuesday as we navigate what actions we can take, big or small, to make a positive impact in your life and the lives of your neighbors on Hometown Earth. Hello, neighbors. First of all, thank you for hitting play on this episode. It is such an important topic, and I felt like I would be remiss if I didn't have an episode dedicated to going over climate change and how it is affecting our planet, which means how it's affecting you. Climate change affects everything from wildlife, ecosystems, agriculture, and human health. And in order to keep this planet habitable, we have to learn and take action on climate change. Elon Musk isn't going to be able to easily sweep you or your children or your grandchildren away to another planet. It's just not going to happen. We have to be realistic. This is our planet. There is not another one like it anywhere near us, so we have to protect it with all we've got. I want to prepare you, equip you with knowledge, if you will, so that you can use it as a tool for motivation to open your eyes to a world that should be instead of a world that is. As promised, in every episode on this show, I will give you one step, big or small, that you can walk away with and take action. Whether you're someone who has just been too afraid to ask questions about our changing climate, or someone who knows that we need to make a change, but maybe doesn't understand the magnitude to everyone in between on every end of the spectrum, we need to be moving forward with a clear understanding of what climate change is and the impacts we have on our planet so that we can take action. We're going to dig into climate change and global warming terminology, the importance of climate change on our oceans, the power of a slight change in global temperature, our planetary health, and what you can do to take action. We've heard the buzzword climate change for quite some time now, and it is used interchangeably with another buzzword, global warming, a lot of the time. But the two are different. Global warming is the increase in Earth's average surface temperature due to rising levels of greenhouse gases produced by humans. So when someone is talking about global warming, They mean man's impact on the climate. And if you're wondering what greenhouse gases are, they are gases that trap heat in the atmosphere and include carbon dioxide, methane, nitrous oxide, and fluorinated gases. We contribute the most greenhouse gases through transportation, electricity production, our industries, and our agriculture and food systems, and use in homes and businesses. Climate change is referring to the long-term change in global temperature, precipitation, humidity, wind patterns, aka the weather, and other measures of climate that have occurred from both human and naturally produced climate variables, 
and the effects that it has on our planet. And you might say, well, our climate changes all of the time. Isn't it supposed to? Yes and no. We have our natural cycles of the earth that produce our changing climate. But extreme weather events are not normal and shouldn't be happening as we're seeing them. We receive a steady amount of light from the sun. But with the influx of greenhouse gas emissions, we are experiencing a vigorous global warming. The six warmest years on record have all occurred since 2015. A carbonbrief.org report says that of the 405 extreme weather events that have occurred since 2012, 70% have had a human impact factor, meaning we have made the event more likely or more severe. These are events like wildfires, flooding, heat, storms, even extreme cold, snow, and ice. So let's dig into what happens when we increase green greenhouse gas emissions and the earth warms. Think of it like this, you know, when it's a hot day out, you might wear white because you want to reflect the heat of the sun. But if you wear black, you will soak up all of that sunlight and it turns into heat warming your body. Like, I know we've probably all been there wearing a black tee in the sun and dripping in sweat thinking, why? But that's kind of what's happening on the Earth's atmosphere. The sun emits rays and our atmosphere reflects some of that radiation. But for the most part, it is absorbed into our atmosphere. Earth's surface re-emits some of that infrared radiation back through the atmosphere. But for the most part, it is trapped in by greenhouse gases causing the Earth to warm. Now, some amount of naturally occurring greenhouse gases is good. Without them, the earth would freeze. But the influx of man-made greenhouse gases has caused our global temperatures to rise. There's actually a term to describe the percentage of solar radiation being reflected back into space by an object or surface, and it's albedo. And the Arctic has a very high albedo. Our Arctic sea ice is bright white and 80% of the sunlight that strikes it is reflected back into space, just like your white t-shirt. Because of the additional warming that is happening, the sea ice in the Arctic is melting at a higher rate, meaning there is less white sea ice to reflect the sun's rays and more of the deep, dark ocean surface absorbing it. 90% of the extra fossil fuel emissions we have produced, in fact, causing our oceans to be warmer and the Arctic temperature to continue to rise in a vicious cycle. The oceans are a huge key to our survival, so their warming is a pretty big issue. The oceans transfer heat around the planet and regulate our climate and weather patterns. They store 50 times more carbon dioxide than our atmosphere. They feed our world as 3.5 billion people depend on the ocean for their primary source of food. And they play a huge role in the freshwater cycle, so we depend on them for providing us with fresh, clean water, for supporting our economy, medicine, transportation, and even to have a good time. And most people think that all of our oxygen comes from the rainforest and the trees around us, but 50 to 80% of the oxygen production on Earth comes from the ocean functioning the way that it was designed to. So every time you take a breath, you can thank the ocean. But marine life also consumes that oxygen to survive and thrive. And unfortunately, ocean warming is leading to deoxygenation, which is having severe effects on marine biodiversity and the functioning of ocean ecosystems as habitats are shifting 
causing a domino effect in other parts of the ocean. And more deoxygenation may even lead to more warming, amplifying the issue. There's also another reason for deoxygenation of our oceans, and that is excess algae growth from runoff that comes from agriculture, sewage, animal waste, which is actually called eutrophication, and the discharge of nitrogen from the burning of fossil fuels. Ocean acidification is another piece to the ocean not being able to function correctly. Since our oceans are also absorbing more CO2 than ever before, their chemical makeup is changing, leading to lower pH levels and altering the ability of organisms to form, which can severely affect the ocean's food chain as well as ours. Deoxygenation and ocean acidification are drastically altering the balance of marine life, which alters our lives. There is also the issue of the rising sea levels, which are causing flooding, storm surges, as well as saltwater intrusion into our freshwater systems, which can have an effect on our crop yields as well as the water we drink. Now, I ran into the term pre-industrial a lot because the Industrial Revolution is obviously a period when human impact drastically changed our world. Global warming really began to be measured around 1880, and since then, we've seen an increase in the Earth's temperature by 1 degree Celsius, or about 2 degrees Fahrenheit, with two-thirds of that warming occurring since 1975. There's actually a new field of science that was established in the early 2000s due to climate change. It's called extreme event attribution, which seeks to determine how much of these extreme weather events are due to global warming or which ones might be part of a natural weather pattern or even random climate changes. So this field helps us to determine how big of a factor global warming plays in an extreme weather event, but it can also help us to predict risk and the amount of time before another extreme weather event occurs. It is clear to see how these extreme weather events impact communities, from causing death to damage to poverty. So being able to predict and prevent them is crucial. You know what's nuts? The number of ingredients in wasteful packaging and milk production. But you know what else is nuts? Joy's almond and cashew nut bases. It's literally nuts, and that's it. It's a perfect milk substitute without the wasteful packaging and unnecessary ingredients. It's nuts that only one tub of Joy can save up to seven milk cartons from a landfill. It's nuts that it can sit on your shelf for up to 18 months. It's nuts that Lena can make queso with this stuff. And to be honest, her food has never been better. But don't tell her I said that. And it's nuts that you can get 10% off of your order by using the code Lena Samford when you visit addjoy.com. Go nuts! And if you still don't see the urgency in making a change now, let's talk about the change of Earth's temperature by one degree Celsius. You might say, well, what's one degree? It doesn't sound like much. Well, when we hit 1975, we've seen the temperature rise by a rate of 0.15 to 0.2 degrees Celsius per decade. In the context of a few degrees, NASA says that in the past, a one to two degree drop was all it took to plunge the earth into a little ice age. And a five degree drop was enough to bury a large part of North America under a towering mass of ice 20,000 years ago. There's even an argument that has been ongoing that we need to move into a new unit of geologic time, the Anthropocene Epoch. National Geographic defines it as an unofficial unit of geologic time used to describe the most recent period in Earth's history 
when human activity started to have a significant impact on the planet's climate and ecosystems. The debate on whether or not it should be an official era is whether or not we have made enough change to affect the Earth's rock layers. We moved into the era we are now, the Holocene, because of the last ice age. And you've likely also heard of the Paris Agreement, which is an international treaty on climate change that is focused on limiting global warming below 2 degrees Celsius, preferably to 1.5 degrees Celsius, compared to pre-industrial levels. So we are talking about a global agreement that is focused on a few degrees. But even at that 1.5 degree goal, we are still looking at a catastrophe on our hands. To further put those few degrees in perspective, the World Wildlife Foundation put together a graphic on climate risk assessment based on a report by the IPCC showing what would happen if our temperature rose 1.5 degrees versus 2 degrees. And I'll give you a few examples as well as link it in the show notes if you want to take a look at the full visual. So if the temperature rises to 1.5 degrees Celsius, we can expect 9% or 700 million people to experience extreme heat waves every 20 years compared to a 2 degrees rise that would affect 28% or 2 billion people. Another fact, 70% of our coral reefs would be lost by 2100 versus all coral reefs lost at 2 degrees. And they predict that for every half degree of warming, we will see a consistently lower yield in crops and lower nutritional content in tropical regions, which is where a lot of fruit and vegetables are exported. So it would affect the entire world. Keep in mind that global temperatures represent an average across the globe, and we won't see every single part of the earth have the same rise in temperature. And to tack that on, indigenous, low-income, and people of color are disproportionately affected by climate change. Which brings up another topic on our entire planetary health. Climate change is a symptom of our planetary health. Planetary health is the health of human civilization and the natural systems on which it depends. In other words, it's a holistic approach to look at humans' impact on the local and global environment and how that impact to our environmental systems affects our health in turn. So when we've mentioned that planetary health and human health are the same or that they're linked, this is why. We don't operate in a vacuum, and you can't look at the health of one without also taking into consideration the health of the other. It's an extremely complex interaction and isn't just a do X to get Y solution at this point. And different symptoms require different solutions that interact with one another. Other symptoms of our planetary health along with climate change include land use change, biodiversity loss, and pollution. To be able to reduce or eliminate our quote-unquote symptoms, we need an interdisciplinary approach at all levels, looking at our planetary health and how we might be able to repair it. Now, there are some things that the world is doing to help aid our climate and reach net zero emissions. There has been a shift to cleaner energy using wind and solar instead of coal and natural gas, the production of electric cars, adapting and implementing more energy efficient buildings and industrial processes, sustainable city planning, government implementation of local and national policies that reduce environmental damage and help the health of communities. But we need to do more. And the great news is that you don't have to be a climate scientist, oceanographer, researcher, politician, whatever, to make a difference. 
you can make a change by cutting your carbon emissions now. Everything we do has a carbon footprint. From the electronics we use to the food we eat, you can reduce your carbon footprint at home by using energy-efficient appliances, driving an electric car, conserving water, and much more. I shared on the last episode, episode 22, seven ways that you can contribute to a healthier earth that will also cut your carbon emissions. So you should totally check that out if you haven't yet. But try to make it part of your daily routine to save energy, use water efficiently, and cut emissions. Be mindful when you're making decisions, keeping the earth and your own health in mind. Taking steps to personally cut your carbon emissions will make a huge difference, but ultimately, it will still be leaving a trace. There are tons of carbon offsetting groups that individuals or businesses can contribute to that will help you make a bigger individual impact faster by contributing to projects that reduce greenhouse gas emissions. The way carbon offsetting works is that you calculate your carbon emissions online by analyzing your usage. Things like driving and flying to the type of house you live in, your lifestyle choices, and even water usage. These groups suggest donation amounts based on your usage that will offset those emissions by using your contribution to support an ongoing or new sustainable project. Just a warning, don't be fooled by businesses or individuals touting their carbon offsetting but not making any reduction in their personal carbon emissions. When possible, Individuals and businesses should both be reducing emissions and carbon offsetting if we want to make a real difference. There is an urgency in taking climate action now like we've never seen before. It is urgent because in contrast to the reality I've outlined earlier filled with ecological disaster, there's a reality in which we clean up our act and allow for earth to regenerate and in turn give back to us. A life where we live healthier and in harmony with nature, where we feel stable and secure, only taking what we need and giving back to the land so we can enjoy its beauty. I wanted to end this episode with a beautiful excerpt written by American poet and activist Amanda Gorman in her poem Earthrise for the Climate Reality Project. We know it's never too soon to choose hope. We choose to do more than cope with climate change. We choose to end it. We refuse to lose. Together, we do this and more, not because it's very easy or nice, but because it is necessary. Because with every dawn, we carry the weight of the fate of this celestial body orbiting a star. And as heavy as that weight sounded, it doesn't hold us down, but it keeps us grounded, steady, ready, because an environmental movement of this size is simply another form of an earth rise. Thanks again, and I'll see you next week. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Hometown Earth as much as I did. Let us know by rating and subscribing so you never miss an episode. New episodes drop every week on Tuesday. Head to the show notes linked in the episode description for more details. And let us know in the comments what you want to hear next. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts. And you can find more about the podcast on Instagram at Hometown Earth or connect with me personally personally at Lena Saintford. We all know change needs to happen. So let's get started right here at Hometown Earth. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.